Welcome back to the Mindful You podcast. My name is Alan Carroll, and I'm your host as we journey together, meeting fellow travelers on the path, on the path of building a bridge between the egoic identity and the more mindful identity of the of the being and today's guest Nicole Kerr she has a a an incredible incredible story she has experienced the uh, near-death experiences called NDE near-death experiences several times and when she has passed over in those near-death experiences, which are recorded medically in the hospital, she makes contact with guides and spirits who are there in absolute love and support. And the incredible crash that occurred when she was a late teenager at the United States Air Force Academy and the traumatic things that it did to her body. I mean, she wanted to leave. And every time she wanted to leave, the people on the other side said, hey, no, it's not your time. You got to come back and, and be of service. She has written a book. And the book title is You Are Deathless. So death is like an illusion. There's something there beyond death. She has a neuro-emotional technique that she's going to talk to us about on how you can also make contact and connect and relax your own body and maybe even make contact with that near-death experience that you don't have to get near-death experience, but you can begin to taste what it's like to spend more time in that mindful state of consciousness by tuning in to your body and being present in this moment. So I'm just excited to be able to share with you today, Nicole Kerr, and have her share her story with us. It's quite inspirational. So please welcome Nicole to the Mindful You podcast. Nicole, welcome to the Mindful You podcast. Exciting to be see you today, and I'm excited about our conversation about near-death experiences. And you're somebody who's had one of those. And and one of the questions that I've, I, I, I usually ask the guests is that there's always a story. There's always an event. There's always a, a moment in which you woke up and realized that what you were thinking before or how you structured things before is is not the truth there's another reality but most most people are including myself of course are stuck in a reality and we're trying to bang the door to figure out a way of opening it up and say ah oh, okay there's a i knew this place existed however i was stuck down here and it sounds like you know in, in a in a more tragic way you penetrated through the door and you got to experience that and boy i'd love to hear that that's that story so go take the mic and have fun with it I am delighted to be on your show, and I'm very grateful to be on it and to share my story, and I hope it helps your listeners, because I didn't think that I was going to die at age 19. In fact, nobody does. And so your show, Mindful, you know, now, it, Mindful About Death, and I know that sounds, we think of death as gloom and doom and morbid, but we are all going to die. It is the only shared experience that everybody in this planet is going to have. It used to be death and taxes, but now we see people getting out of taxes. But this happened to me um, my sophomore year at the United States Air Force Academy, and I was getting a ride back 
with, uh, we were at a squadron event and I just asked a senior to have a, you know, can you take me back to the academy? Everybody else has left. And he's like, sure. And he wanted to stop and have a couple of beers. And I was raised in the South, the Bible belt, very conservative. My dad, I'd never been on a date. He did not believe in dating. So now I go to school with 4,000 guys and his, his, his rules to me are no smoking, no drinking and no dating. In essence, no fun, Alan. Okay. <laughs> so um, on this particular um, ride home, he said, let's stop and have a couple of beers. I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna have some fun in, in my life. You know, you wanna have a cigarette? Oh, sure, you know? And um, and then he wanted to stop and make out. And I was like, uh-oh, we're getting into some territory I don't want to, I don't know you. So we got back up on the road again. And then that was the last thing I remember is um, getting back on the road. And then I woke up in the ICU at Penrose Community Hospital the next morning. And my mind actually had amnesia. I was, I blanked out from that moment of getting back in the car uh, to waking up in the ICU for 19 years. My memory was only a bright white lights. And if anybody knows anything about near-death experiences, that is the most common symptom or experience that people share is this tunnel, this bright white light that they see or go through. And that's all I remembered. And I remembered asking my surgeon, was that the operating room lights? Did I wake up at some point? She said, no, you were totally unconscious. I was pronounced dead at the scene of the accident. And I know this is audio, but I'm going to send you this picture and maybe you can put it in the show notes um, because the picture describes a thousand words. It's also on my website. That was a 1965 Corvette convertible. That was the passenger side. And as the trooper said, that is unsurvivable. And for me, it was unsurvivable. For the driver, he got out with some minor injuries. Turned out he was drunk. I did not know that. And um, needless to say, I was pronounced dead at the scene. The first responders got there between 10 and 13 minutes after a 911 call was made. This is out in Monument, Colorado. The Air Force Academy is in Colorado Springs. And so when the first responder got there, they had a blanket covering me up. He took it off, could not get any vitals on me. And the only thing left for him to do was something called a sternal knuckle press, which is designed to elicit pain in the body. So they go up your sternum with their knuckles and it is very painful. And the only sign of life they got out of me was my right pupil dilated. Now you think about that. No, no pulse, no nothing. And at that moment, my soul, which had already left my body, on impact. When I went through the windshield and went up into the air, I later remembered my energy body cracking open and my soul left and went to the other side. Okay. I had a conversation on the other side, which I'll tell you about, but then they told me I was coming back. So in order for my soul to come back into my body, it came in through my eye. Have you ever heard of that saying, our eyes are the window to our souls? Yes, ma'am. I certainly have. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. So it came back in at that moment, he was able to get a blood pressure on me of 60 over zero. Now that's still almost death, but it's better than nothing. They got me in the ambulance, put these masked pants on me, which forced all the blood up to my organs because I had lost so much blood that I was bleeding from the bones at that point. Um, they did CPR on me the entire 20 minutes to get me to the nearest community hospital. Okay, if you know about CPR, CPR to be done for 20 minutes is a long time for a person, okay? So they got me into the OR and that night they just tried to stabilize me and it took them all night to do that. I had massive injuries. I spent four months in the hospital, six major operations. I coded on the second operation. Um, they were going in for an emergency surgery. And uh, on the way to the operating room, they were having to do CPR. I was already starting to, to leave again. 
And I got into the OR and uh, my heart just gave out. And so they called the time of death. This was two weeks after the accident. So I had, and what I'm saying here is I had multiple near-death experiences. It wasn't just the one with the accident. And in that one, I tried to leave again. I wanted to go back to that white light that was so beautiful and just, you know, loving kindness, peace, no pain, no suffering, no negativity. I was trying to get back there. And um, my angel came back again and said, nope, you're getting back in this body. And I knew it was going to be painful and suffering. And that's why I didn't want to keep coming back. And so um, I did uh, my heart after they called time of death and told my parents I passed away. Um, Two minutes later, my heart started up again on its own. So these are things just like my soul coming back in. These are um, supernatural, mystical, spiritual things that we have no medical uh, scientific reasons why these things happened. And I know that the other side beyond the veil, the spiritual side is real and it works on our behalf. And then I had one more near-death experience in the hospital from uh, my lungs um, filling up with fluid. And so I was suffocating. And so once again, they couldn't, they kept draining my lungs. They kept filling up. And I just was like, I'm out of here. So I just uh, left my body. And then they finally gave me a diuretic and I peed off three quarts of fluid and my, it all started, you know, coming back again. But it, um, even my doctor, who is 86 years old now, and I just interviewed her, she remembers it. And she just said, you know, you were always in a life and death situation for the first seven weeks in ICU. And then you started to stabilize and get better, but you still had a couple of more scares. So it was a long recovery for me. Uh, My mother did come out and stay with me. And when the doctor told her I needed mental health help. She looked at him and said, Jesus is our psychologist. Nicole's going to be just fine. And I have to tell your audience that was not true. Okay. Um, I needed help. I went through a massive trauma and Jesus never came down and sat at the sofa and said, Nicole, let's talk about your PTSD, your depression, your anxiety, your need to control things, all of these mental health, health symptoms that I was having. And so I will tell you, as a result of not getting help at the beginning, I developed an eating disorder, okay? Compulsive eating is what it was known back in the 80s, but now it's binge eating disorder. So trauma untreated is going to develop in a negative physical response in your body. It's going to try to cope with it, but it's going to be in a negative way. And so it took me 20 years to work through that eating disorder and get to the root of the pain and the self-hate and everything that was tied into it. And so it's not just when I look at my crash and going to the other side, side, my book talks about my journey of 40 years now that I have lived with the having to go through all these different phases of recovery in the physical realm, in the mental realm, in the emotional realm. And now I have been in the spiritual realm, really connecting to my soul, to my guides, to my angels. And there is a thing that is real called soul loss. And that is when your soul, as a result of trauma, fragments. And I didn't know about this until 2019 when I went to see a shaman and he said, Nicole, we need to do what we call a soul retrieval and bring these fragmented parts back together. Because every time you get triggered and you get in fear, you have another part of you that just flies away. So you're not staying grounded. You don't want to be here. And so there is, I can talk a lot more about that, but it's a real thing. And unfortunately, we have 22 veterans commit suicide each day in the United States. 
And I think a big part of this is this soul loss part that they go and they're trained to kill. They go over to the theater and they get into, um, you know, war and they kill people. They see people killed. They see their, their mates killed and they don't know from a soul part how to reconnect themselves back and get an alignment to heal that wound. And just like a flesh wound needs healing, a mental health wound needs healing, a soul wound needs healing as well in order for you to come back together in alignment. Wow. <laughs> that's quite a, that's quite a, um, a, 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 t- a t- an adventure tale, a tale of adventure, a tragedy, a, a, uh, and out of the tragedy, out of the mud comes the comes the lotus flower, comes the blooming of the light, and yeah. now you have paid the price for a lot of people who don't want to pay that price. But you've paid that price psychologically, physically, emotionally, and spiritually in order to attain a level of awareness uh, that gives you credibility in trying to support people. And okay, guys, here we are now. Uh, what can we re- what can we do to reduce the the psychological suffering that that you are experiencing and only if you could connect to that space of 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 of, of divinity um, will you have the insight to realize the the unity rather than the separation that exists here uh, beyond the illusion so to speak of what you think is here um, and so uh, it's it's wonderful because you've gone you, you've done a dance you've done a dance with the with the d- divinity and the physical the divinity and the physical the divinity and the physical uh, and that's a a wonderful dance to be able to teach people how to take those how to take those steps that's why i i say i went through from a near death experience to a tr- spiritually transformative experience and when you undergo a transformation, it's not meant to be easy, okay? And it's meant to be a, a time in your life where you're looking at limiting beliefs that are keeping you stuck and keeping you from being able to be the person that you were born to be. We all are born with spiritual amnesia. We have forgotten where we came from and who we are, that we are these infinite powerful, limitless, radiant, glorious, and eternal beings, meaning that soul part of us goes on and on and on. Upon death, yes, your physical body is going to decay, but your soul is everlasting. It goes on. And when I remembered my crash 19 years later, okay, so I just got on with life and went to work uh, at the Centers for Disease Control. I got into nutrition thinking I could fix myself from my eating disorder. Guess what? I couldn't. And I think a lot of us get into different fields of helping people because we're trying to really help ourselves, you know, and you realize, wait a minute, food isn't the issue. It's a psychological issue. It's a Uh, emotionally based issue. And I just didn't know any of that back then. And it's taken me a long journey to figure this out pretty much on my own and just going to different practitioners and trying Eastern medicine modalities and just all kinds of different things. And the one um, modality that I found that really helped me with the emotions was neuroemotional technique, which is called NET. It's a mind-body stress relief technique. And it's been out there for about 35 years or so, but it really helps to get at the stuck patterns that we get triggered with in the present that we are unaware of. This is all going on unconsciously. And we're reacting to something like we did as a six-year-old or as a 20-year-old because we never resolved it from an emotional standpoint back then. So we're playing it out present day like we were then, instead of getting to the root issue of, oh my gosh, why am I sabotaging myself? I know I need to eat healthy, but I just got triggered because my husband said something about my body image. And now I'm eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's as a coping mechanism, you know, and we all do it. We all have unconscious suppressed 
emotions that we never processed. And so it'll come up from time to time and we need to work through it instead of just putting ourselves in another trance through eating or drinking or shopping or binging Netflix, whatever, to not deal with life and not to explore and to awaken to who you truly are and to get at those unconscious limiting belief patterns that are sabotaging you. And one for me is like my identity as a people pleaser. I grew up that way. I wanted to please everybody, be the good girl. So I would be loved and, you know, accepted. Well, guess what? As an adult, that doesn't quite work for you anymore. And it's a hard one to let go of because you don't want to, I grew up, don't hurt your mother. Don't, make your mother angry or get your father angry, you know? And so what do you do with those emotions when you're feeling angry toward your mother or you feel like your mother hurt you? You just have to stuff them. Well, guess what? The body remembers. There's a great book out called The Body Keeps the Score by um, Dr. Bessel van der Kolf. And it's about trauma and how your body records everything. So you need to be able to use your voice and speak your truth, even if it hurts your mother, you know, and these are some of the things that are really hard for us to do today. But when you put it in a, I feel that when you did this, you know, it's not blaming, it's owning your own feelings and emotions instead of always being defensive or not even wanting to engage with them because they're, you know, there's no sense in it because they're going to feel hurt or criticized or judged. So um, that's really, you know, an important part of this is to start your own journey. If you haven't already to start questioning these belief systems that were handed down, usually generationally. And religion is one of the ones that I had to let go of organized religion, because your concept or beliefs about God shape your relationship to death. Okay. And when I was 19, having been raised Southern Baptist, that's my father. My mother was Lutheran. Okay. We spent a lot of time in church and both churches had a dual concept of God. God was loving and protective and he was there for you. And if you prayed, you would get what you wanted. But on the other hand, there were all these rules in addition to the 10 commandments. Okay. Each religion had their own rules. And if you disobeyed those rules, you were a sinner, you were bad, you were going to hell. And when I, people ask me today, Nicole, is there a hell? I go, hell no. Hell is on earth. Okay. The suffering and the pain and the misery that goes on in your earthly existence, that is hell. There is no hell uh, when your soul passes on. Just like there is not going to be any judgment. That may be a new one for your your audience, but there is no judgment on the other side. Um, There's a life review, but you're not going to be judged. So what I had to do was get out of this concept that God was a vending machine and instead reconceptualize God after my memory came back, realizing my experience with God on the other side was love, pure unfiltered, unconditional love. And being wrapped in that cocoon of light was like floating in outer space as an astronaut. You know, it was just soothing. It was comforting. And it was just breathtaking, you know, and the beauty of it, the colors, there's more colors in the world than what they label in the Crayola color box, you know, or the Sherman Williams paint colors. There's so many more colors in the world and the music. I mean, it is just, um, there's so many positive things about death and the other side. And I think our society has done a great disservice by creating this culture of death denial. And we don't want to think about death because it just is like, oh, that just doesn't feel good. It's not giving me a happy feeling. But if we can shift the worldview and our vibration and maybe our cultural misunderstandings surrounding death, we can get to a place of peace and not fear death. 
And so many people do fear death unconsciously. They don't, they may say, oh, I'm not afraid to die. But when the time comes, they really are because they're stuck in that, in an old concept, maybe they were raised in with a religion that if they did something wrong, they were going to be eternally separated from their loved ones. And growing up with that level of fear does so much to harm a child throughout the rest of their life, because you are now programming your nervous system in a fear uh, activation and worry. And when you're filled with fear and worry, you are not going to have clarity. You are not going to be able to make decisions for yourself that are for your highest and greatest good, because your decisions are coming out of this fight, flight, freeze part of your brain called the amygdala instead of your prefrontal cortex, which is the executive decision-making part of your brain that can sort out everything and make a logical decision. And that's your parasympathetic system coming on board. But when you're in your um, sympathetic, you're just you know reactive all the time. And so many people are in so much fear in this country right now And it is a low vibration and around the subject of death, it needs to be addressed and brought out and talked about. And that is what I was told on the other side. I call him Casper, the friendly ghost in my book, because I could get that he was male. I knew that he was young, but I didn't have an identity with him until a year ago, August, right after my book was released. And then my grandfather um, on my father's side, came to me and said, I'm your angel. I'm Casper, the friendly ghost. It was actually me that came down and lifted you up and took you to the other side. And I was just blown away because I, I never, I had heard that a lot of people with NDEs actually recalled seeing deceased loved ones, but I had never been able to connect anybody on the other side until my grandfather came to me uh, in August of a year ago year past. And that's the time that he passed away at 58 years old from a massive heart attack. And here I was 58 years old and right around the time of his death. And he, I smelled cigar smoke and I was going, where am I smelling this? No one in our house smokes cigars. And then I heard my name and I'm going, okay, you know, what is this? (laughs) Exactly. And he said, Nicole, this is your grandfather, James. And he said, I was Casper, and I have always been with you. I saw what was going on at the academy. I saw the abuse you were in. I saw how you were struggling. I saw that you couldn't quit because of the shame of failing at something. And so I came down and saved you. And there, I will always be with you until you, you know, um, pass on. So he has been with me ever since. He showed up in the OR. He showed up, you know, Every time I come close to wanting to leave again, he's there reminding me that I came back to tell people to not be afraid of death. And it seems like a really simple message, Alan, but it's taken me 40 years. I mean, my crash was 40 years to unpack all the different layers and unwind everything so that I wasn't filled with fear and worry about being sick or um, focusing on being sick or identifying with that as my identity, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's been a long journey and we're all here on a journey for our soul's evolution. And there is no perfect journey that just ends here. You know, it continues on. And I want people to know that it hasn't been easy, but I finally have come to peace and that is, and freedom. And when you let go of these fears and worries, that's where the freedom comes in. And I, in my book, I'm just going to read it really quick because it really illustrates the concept of God. You are deathless book. Yes. Yes. And it is talking about, I do something called neuroemotional technique. I'm certified in that because I believed in it so much. It helped me so much. Um, There was a little six-year-old girl who was in a um, very fundamentalist church. She was adopted and she um, did something, quote, bad. 
And she started wetting the bed and she was scared to death. She was going to be separated from her now adopted parents. And so when I talked to her, I said, well, can you tell me how you see God? And she eagerly told me, God is a blue spirit with colors and balloons in all different colors, no head and can talk. And now clearly this little girl is still having a direct experience with God, no filters from other people. And, you know, your own experience with God source, whatever you want to call, you know, the author of our lives here, you, it will probably look nothing like hers or mine. Yet I hope my story can help people to encourage them to continue on their journey, on their path to what really is their concept of God. Because in my opinion, if there is a fear element associated with God, that is not of God. That is of man in order to control people. I, I, you talked about the, the need to let go. And it took you 40 years to let go of things. Well, can we figure out a way of giving me the cliff notes of letting go so that we can let go starting the process a lot quicker? What is Absolutely. it that you let go of in order to to release yourself from the, the handcuffs? I had to let go of the image of God, the concept of God as being dual and being uh, a judgmental, critical, uh, fear-based God, that that part doesn't exist of God and just see God as love. And to me, I, I connect with that mostly in nature. I see the love, feel the love, experience the love in nature, in the beauty that is just everywhere around me. Um, I know that for me, I had to let go, uh, be mindful that I came back transformed. I was not the same person I was at 19. I have a lot more sensibility sensitivities to things, and I can't be around toxic people. And most people don't need to be around toxic people, okay? So being mindful of people that are energy vampires, as they're called, they zap your energy because they're negative, they're critical, they're judgmental, they're shaming. One thing on the other side is a lesson we are not judged. If we could apply that to ourselves now, instead of waiting, quit judging yourself. Take the word should out of your vocabulary. Don't should yourself, your children, your grandchildren, or anybody you come into contact with. That is a low vibration, shaming word when you tell somebody they should have done something. That's insinuating that you know better than them what they needed to do, and you are really smashing them down in terms of um, uh, who they are as a being. The other thing, um, I had to do a lot of work emotionally because I had separated my mind from my body. I never learned to embody emotions. I could think them. I'm angry at the driver. I can think that. That's a realistic emotion to have. But I never let it get through my throat all the way in my body and actually feel it in my body. So that's the work with emotional that you see going on now with people needing to embody emotions, the emotional code out there, the tapping, the EMDR, the um, hypnosis, things like that that are available to help people uh, connect the mind and the body because so many of us have just chopped it off and operated from a mind perspective. So that needs to get integrated. So find someone that can help you with that. There's lots of modalities out there to do that. Even talk therapy can work for some people. So um, that was important to me to do. The other part was to connect with my soul. Okay. If you feel, and there's three symptoms about soul loss, if you feel any of these or know anybody that feels these symptoms, they probably need help bringing their fragmented soul back together. I'll write it down. So I'll write it down as you speak. Number one. You don't want to be here. Do you know people that just don't want to be here? 
Okay. I knew when my memory came back 19 years later, I did not want to come back to the body and the life that I knew would be filled with pain and suffering. I didn't want to, but I was told I was going to come back because I had a message to tell people. The second thing is this low level, consistent feeling that something is missing. Okay. Now it's interesting to note with this one, many compulsive behaviors and addictions fall into this statement. And for me, I can now clearly see the link between my binge eating disorder and this feeling of emptiness that I had, because I didn't believe in that God that I was raised with anymore, but I didn't have a concept of what I did believe in. And I wasn't connecting to the spiritual realm during those 20 years, my memory was gone. I was looking, I was going to different churches. I was trying to find a connection, but it just, nothing, nothing, um, stuck to me. Nothing felt right. And then once I had the soul retrieval, that really helped me start connecting with my spirit guides, my angels, my, I mean, things started taking off because I was back in alignment again. Those parts have been pulled back. The third one is you can't get over it. Okay. Your mind just keeps looping and looping and looping. And this can manifest in chronic or a wasting illness, um, you know, feeling stuck with a health condition. And for me, I had this hypervigilance, Alan, that I had to keep myself safe all the time. This illusion that you referred to earlier, that if I controlled my life and my situations in life, nothing bad like this could ever happen again. If I drove the car everywhere, then it wouldn't happen again instead of giving it over to someone else to drive. Right. You know, so I would always be the one you guys can go out and drink, but I'm staying sober and I'm driving. Okay. Um, but that's an illusion that you can control all these different factors of your life. And what that does is just heightens your stress response system, thinking that you need to try and control all of this because in the end it's not controllable. You know, so you worry about things, you're nervous, the anxiety kicks in. So I wish I had known earlier that through this trauma, when I neglected these hurt, fragmented parts of my soul and just got on with my life, that it led to other issues for me, like depression. And just like any other wound, like I said, we have got to realize that soul retrieval is a powerful healing tool that works. And what we're dealing with here is that spiritual hidden realm. And I'm here to tell you, it's a very real thing. And so you can see a shaman about it. You can see a hypnotherapist about it. You can see your pastor about it. If they believe in that, you can even call back these soul parts yourself. Um, so you can go look that up on Google, soul loss, soul fragmentation, and you know, there's lots of videos out there on that. So it's a necessary part of healing that we have really never discussed in the wellness industry. One of the psychological theories is psychosynthesis and psychosynthesis says that you have 12 basic parts to you. There's the there's the liberal part, there's the non-liberal part, there's the judge, there's the all these different characters. And the conflicts that people have is that you have a liberal part of yourself and you have a, a conservative part of yourself, and each of them had their own needs and their own desires, and they start to battle it back. And but as you integrate it, as you become conscious, as you can talk about it, because you talked about the the sharing of emotions with the person that you have emotional stuff with going on and the fear that's involved in that. Um, and, and how, how do you communicate things that are uncomfortable to communicate and, and not offend and upset the sensitivity of the person you're talking to whose skin gets thinner and thinner as we move forward in 2023 and 2024, there's just people get agitated very quickly. Uh, they've lost control of their mental stability. And there's such an overwhelming bombardment of stuff to cause agitation. So I'm wondering 
Can you give us a couple of tips on how to how to say how to say things that are sweet but appropriate? Okay, I'll give you an example. Say, Alan, that you hurt uh, my feelings because you told me that I'm uh, obese and I need to lose weight. Okay. And I really love you and respect you. And I know I'm obese. I know I'm overweight, but you point that out to me. Okay. And I can say, Alan, when you told me that I was obese and overweight, um, I felt really hurt. I felt like you really didn't, um, uh, understand that I've been dealing with this my whole life and you didn't seem to offer any compassion with it. it. I heard it as more judgmental and that I need to do something about it. Like I haven't been doing something about it all these years. And so I just needed to let you know that that statement really did hurt my feelings. So I'm owning it. Okay. What you're saying. Does that make sense? It's very, uh, very higher vibrational kind of response. Yes. To to, to acknowledge that, gee, a button has just been pressed in my reality, and this stuff is getting stirred up, and these emotions are happening, and nothing to do with you, but boy, uh, something's going on over here. Versus you, mother, you know, deal with it. And so the the ownership of the of what is happening in your body as you being the source of that rather than the victim of someone pressing the button is a very high vibration. Very, very high because the ego is in the, is in the preservation and the defending business, not in the giving you space to be the way you are business uh, and owning it yourself. That's very, very, uh, uh, I, I use I'm using high, higher vibrational yeah. because you, you you talked about the higher vibrational moves that you can play in the game. Um, yes. the game of redu- let's reduce the psychological suffering. Well, let's increase the vibration of the people who are experiencing. Well, how do you do that? You know, how do you increase the vibration? Well, you just gave a great example. Uh, well, and here's uh, another important thing. You have to be mindful of what you're plugging your awareness into. Okay, because everything has to start with awareness. If you're not aware that you're doing something, you're going to keep repeating it. But once you're aware of it, it's hard to go back and keep doing the same thing. But that's that's too good to only do one time. Okay, Uh, but go ahead and and we'll slow it down a little bit uh, because that's one of the the key. The the keystones of mindfulness is what you're talking about now. So it deserves a little more respect. Let's 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 just honor it a little bit more with a little more fluff around it (laughs) awareness is the key to understanding what is going on okay so awareness so i'm i'm holding up a flashlight in my hand right now and if i can shine the flashlight on on what i'm looking at i'm more aware of what i'm looking at but i need a light in order to shine on that Uh, is that true yes And that's usually in your unconsciousness because we're running our lives with about 95 to 99% unconsciousness. Everything that's come before us, all of our programming from we little ones, even in utero, okay, we are picking up messages from our mother, from our father. You know, I'm a dietitian by training and we've known this for years. What the mother eats is going to affect the child. If she's disposed to a high fat, high salt, high sugar diet, eating a lot of fast food, that child comes out predisposed to a higher threshold of sugar, sweet, sugar, fat, and salt. So, um, It's the same thing with stress and with uh, energy and with emotions. If that mother is not, uh, if she is stressed all the time, that is affecting the child. So it's going to come out more nervous, more anxiety ridden and having a proclivity for that. So it really is important that we remember that everyone and everything is connected. We at the root are all energy. And so becoming conscious and becoming awake to who you really are. And this is important because one of the lessons is a life review at the end of our lives. Okay. When we're on the other side, we will have a life review. 
And we learn how everything that we said, did, and thought, okay, during our physical life here on planet Earth, impacted ourselves, others, and the world. So if we can become more mindful and be- to stop and not react, you know, just like if you're saying the word should, stop yourself immediately because now you're aware that you're shaming someone, pull it back, cancel, clear, delete, whatever you want to do, and think about what are you really trying to say to this person, okay? And with death, it's interesting because we are experiencing more death on this planet now than we have in a long time. And it's not just with people. It's not sudden deaths or people that have are on the road to, to passing or suicides, which have gone up dramatically. We're seeing death in systems. We're seeing death in climate change. And we need to remember that we are all of us on a limited physical journey to bring us back to presence, okay, to the now, let go of the past, that's easier said than done. But we never know when our last day on earth is going to be. Like I said earlier, I never thought that I could die at 19. I'm sure all of those children massacred at Sandy Hook never thought and their parents never thought that would be their last day here on earth. And if we actually lived with that awareness, getting back to being aware, we would be more present and live in a deeper way. And that is why I'm so passionate about people addressing their fears of death so they can truly live life. I agree. I agree. The idea of the the uh, you see the world now through the conditioning of the lens of the past. And if you could figure out a way of putting the past in the past, never to be remembered again, then you'd have this white blank canvas in front of you and and that you can then control with with the paintbrush in your hand, what what do you want to paint on this canvas? And well, why not paint absolute love, joy and compassion with with what I at least what I speak? I may not have control of them thoughts inside my head and all that, but can I become aware of the of the energy form of the word the vibration that i create as an energy form of of either love or of defending or attacking and that to me is is a, a key to this waking up that you talk about and and uh, we're moving closer to the end of our conversation and it's really an, a, a wonderful rich conversation that is endless Yes, that you're exploring yes. an endless, empty space of nothingness, uh, in which you discover that whatever that energy we call consciousness or God is is here now, has always been here. I'm I'm a spark from the log. You're a spark from the log, uh, and and we're both divinity creatures uh, having fun as human beings, laughing when we come back again, and. And enjoying ourselves, but really suffering while we're here, boy. I tell you, it's, I tell you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some cosmic joke here uh, that you have been able to uh, discover the joke uh, of, of of the illusion that you think something, and as you begin to change the way you think, you change the the illusion in front of you begins to change, and the so reality are definitely yeah, a, yeah. a change a change agent for love and compassion. And I, I want to thank you for being uh, on the Mindful You podcast, uh, sharing your adventures. And my wish is that we able to continue this conversation at some point in time in the future. That would be wonderful, Alan. I would love that. Thank you so much. And I've enjoyed being on your show. And I want to also let people know that the You Are Deathless sounds like it's full of rich information about the subjects that we're talking about and would be a great resource for folks who want to investigate further uh, to see what are all these things we're talking about with this neuro-emotional technology and this spiritual body-mind integration 
hocus pocus stuff. And uh, and I believe that the clarity of your speaking now is probably reflected also in the clarity of your words on paper. So I'm, I'm it took me 13, 13 years to write the book, and it is definitely from my heart. It's my authentic voice. It's also now on Audible. I just narrated it myself. It came out in May of this year. So it, for people that prefer that option, it's on Kindle, it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and your independent bookstore can order it for you. But um, I really do hope that it's effective in helping you move forward. And if you have a book club, it is an excellent book to read together and discuss this topic that will happen to us all and our loved ones and to start preparing for our support now, you know, because so many times you get to a funeral and it fractures families and it doesn't have to be that way if people prepare ahead of time, whether it's the wills or the wishes or whatever it is. I'll, I, I as you're talking, I, I have a Oh, a two inch by four inch old, old picture uh, back in the 1910-1920 time frame of my father's brother and sister together when they were just a small little beings and dressed in a little costume somewhere in upper New York State. And And I look at that and I look at that picture of my father who's all those people are dead. Yeah. And uh, I, I ha- it's on my desk. I see it every day. And it reminds me of that I'm immortal. I'm not, I'm not immortal. I'm mortal. And appreciate every moment of every day uh, that uh, drenched in love. Appreciate it and be grateful for yeah. rather than Oh, something's missing in my life right now that I'm not complete and I'm not going to be complete until I get those things. Then I'll be complete. That that is that that causes a lot of the suffering that we feel. So I I agree 100 percent. Thank you, Alan. Okay, Okay. Thank you for listening. And please catch us on the next great episode of the Mindful You podcast. And please share us with your friends and fellow travelers on the path.